When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. We stream it live on YouTube. We on Facebook. And, of course, I am your host, Will. The camp is here. It's camp week, ladies and gentlemen, and today we're going to start off camp talk with offense. I got some questions. Questions that I want answered. I don't know about y'all, but you should. That I want answered coming out of training camp. Today, we'll start with the offense. Tomorrow, we'll pick it up with the defense. And to warm up the show in the roundup, we'll continue on the offensive side of the ball. We got another Hall of Fame quarterback that's calling out the offense from last year. Okay, so we'll get into that for a quick second. And then our newcomer speaks on some of the things that the coaches and these players have been echoing throughout the offseason. So we'll get into that as well. And that will lead us in to today's show, where if you have your own questions, you can call in as well. The call in lines 351-999-3787. And we already got one that just jumped up in here. Hold tight. We'll get to you. But what's good? Bomb squad. Bomb squad! How excited are you guys that camp is finally starting this week? So, I kind of messed up on the schedule last week. So, they'll be flying out today. Uh, They won't really start practicing until Wednesday. So, we'll be kind of doing a bit of a preview. Uh, That's where these questions come in today and tomorrow. And then uh, Wednesday, there should be a practice likely uh, as we're on or or maybe a little bit after we get off. And then we'll talk about that on Thursday. So, uh, jam-packed week. I'm excited for it. Football is finally back. Finally, as they say, my guy, The Rock. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. No more kind of just coming up with with random things to talk about. Although I think we held it down pretty well here on this show. But we'll get back into the the goodness of our Cowboys, man. The goodness of it, all right? With that said, we're going to jump right into this roundup. Because, again, I don't know how I missed this this one part of the roundup. But we're going to talk about it. And then that will lead us into today's show with the questions that I have. All right, appreciate y'all for being here this morning. Let's jump straight into it. It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time for... It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. I don't know how I missed this last week truly don't but i did 
But another former Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Super Bowl winning, Hall of Fame quarterback has come out and had some, some words about this here offense from last year. This was Steve Young, former 49er, speaking on the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers. He said, quote, the 49ers have a head coach who isn't in as innovative as anybody in the league at a time when the Cowboys last year are running 2015 plays. They don't have a chance. Kyle leans and figures out ways to make it better for his quarterback. Now, from my count, that's the third Hall of Fame quarterback that has come out and spoken about said plays, right? Troy Aikman, legend. Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer. And now Steve Young. I think they know a thing or two about winning, right? I think they know a thing or two about the position. So when they speak and they say these things, I have to listen. We should absolutely listen. And I and I understand the the plays aren't the end-all, be-all. But when, when you got these type of people coming out saying these things, you know, in unison, obviously that was something that, that in my opinion, hurt the Cowboys from time to time. So enter Mike McCarthy. Super Bowl winning coach who's going to be calling the plays this year. Enter Brian Schottenheimer, a guy who has the experience, right? He's going to be working in combination with Mike McCarthy, who put together an impressive stint in his last gig. Brandon Cooks talked about Mike McCarthy and what he's gauging so far early on. Granted, it is it is very early, right? There's nothing that we've seen on the field with pads, but he talked about some of the things that the pace, the attack uh, that he's seeing from Mike McCarthy's offense when he joined NFL network. Now he spoke on a lot of things, but that specifically is something that I wanted to point out. So here's Brandon cooks on what he's noticing early on in their prep with Mike McCarthy. I mean, obviously, you know, we just had the spring, uh, you know, to get going. But, you know, the biggest thing that I noticed is, uh, you know, it's fast pace. Like, you know, we want to get to the ball. You know, Coach McCarthy talked about attack and not waiting and sitting back, but going out and attack. Um, and that's what I've noticed, you know, through our practices, through our throwing sessions, um, you know, this offseason. So uh, the faster, the better. And so I'm all for that. The faster, the better. I'm all for that. So Cowboys Nation, that is leads me to my first question yes we're going to get into the first question right off the bat i got three questions about this offense again there are many that you can have there are more than three and if you have those questions feel free to call in and we'll talk about them but i've got three questions that that have been on my mind ever since we've decided to roll with mike mccarthy and then they brought in brian schottenheimer and that first question is what tangible effect Will Schottenheimer have on the offense? So when Cooks is talking about pace and he's talking about, you know, attacking and playing fast, that echoes what we've heard from a Mike McCarthy, what we've heard from a Brian Schottenheimer. So right off the bat, you hear these two guys on the same page, not having those philosophical differences. We'll see what happens once we get on the field. But those two guys being on the same page is important because it echoes, or I'm sorry, it has a domino effect down to your quarterback. Uh, earlier in the offseason, they got a chance to speak with Brian Schottenheimer, and he said, quote, we want to play physical, fast, and to make everyone cover the entire field. I want us to be able to play fast. 
Again, physical, fast. You heard McCarthy talking about players playing faster. You hear Brandon Cooks talking about, hey, man, the pace of the game. It's faster. There were some things that needed to be changed last year. There were also some things that I didn't mind bringing back. And the pace of the offense at times was something that I don't mind the Cowboys bringing back. If you guys remember, if you've been here since last year, uh, when me and Voss were down at camp, I would often come on the show and I would say a small thing uh, that I picked up, very small thing that I picked up out there at camp and that I'm going to keep my eye on during the regular season was the tempo, the pace at which the Cowboys were playing from time to time. It wasn't always just in the two-minute offense or the four-minute offense. It would happen periodically throughout regular practice. And that eventually carried over into the regular season. The Cowboys ranked 11th in 2022 in EPA per play on no huddle plays. So that is something positive you want to carry over from last year. And when you hear McCarthy talking about playing fast, you hear Brandon Cooks talking about the pace of the offense and playing fast. And obviously Brian Schottenheimer talk about the offense and playing fast. That is something that I'm hoping we can see as a, a tangible effect with Brian Schottenheimer. Now there will be others. Right. There will be other things, you know, combining some of his philosophical things with the West Coast of uh, Mike McCarthy. They've worked together before, so there shouldn't really be any major differences there. And he's been under multiple different schemes. Obviously, his father coached Mike McCarthy. He learned from Marty Schottenheimer. So they have some things that go hand in hand. They have things that, that are different as well. But that's what kind of gives me confidence about this version of McCarthy. He ended on a sour note in Green Bay because his offense got stale, right? It wasn't the Kyle Shanahan type of tree where Kyle has had guys, the the, uh, Callahan over in, not Callahan, Zach Taylor, I'm sorry, over in uh, Cincinnati who comes under the Sean McVay tree, who comes under the Shanahan tree, Mike McDaniels, LaFleur, all these guys kind of have a West Coast system with their own tweaks to it. My hope is that Mike McCarthy, with the influence of Brian Schottenheimer, who has been known as a guy that can put together some really damn good game plans, they can kind of tweak the West Coast offense to the Tex Coast offense, where it's not kind of your standard West Coast of the yesteryear, but kind of a newer version of it. And I, I think that will help out. Guys like Dak Prescott, guys like C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, all these receivers, and yes, Tony Pollard and the boys. So my first question is, what effect will Brian Schottenheimer have on this offense? That's something that I need answered. Will it be the pace? Uh, Will it be concepts from a passing game standpoint? Uh, Will it be zone running, or will that be something that Solari will will have more of a say on? But I need to know the effect that he's going to have, or at least see it in some way, shape, or form. Make a deal me. Like I said, we had a caller that called in off the off the rip as soon as the show started. And it's my guy Marco from Charlotte. What's good, Marco? What, what's up, Phil? Hey, I'm glad I'm getting to talk to you because this is the same day we were talking about with uh with Martin wanting to get paid. If we would have drafted the guard, Will, we would have been straight. We dropped the tight end, we got three tight ends, four tight ends. I wish we would have drafted the guard. Oh, Martin can go ahead and ride off in the sunset. He want to get more bread. Oh, okay. So, so you're talking about Zach Martin? Yes, sir. Let me know if this is too yeah. loud, uh, Cowboys Nation. 
So so you said you wish they would have drafted a guard so that we can let Martin yeah. retire. Yeah, because I feel like I mean we already knew this was gonna happen, bro. They they just Cowboys be playing their stuff. They know what's going on. So Jerry Jones don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So if we were so me drafting a guard for me would have been more about playing left guard and having Tyler Smith at yeah. left tackle as opposed to replacing Martin. If if Martin wants to continue to play, if Martin says, "Hey man, I got I got three more years left in me," then I'm looking at Martin for the future, which is why I don't mind paying Zach Martin if I know he's going to play for another three years. Uh, but if Martin, okay. if Martin come out and say, "Hey man, this is looking like my last year," or I'm I'm about to retire or something like that, then yeah, you probably should be prepping to 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 move on from Zach Martin. But because of him playing at a high level, I'm not ready to move on from Zach Martin. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm ready for him, but it seems like they setting us up for the kill. He's setting us up for the kill, like Tony. Them, we always paying players three, four years after they don't even pay for play for us. We always putting the money, pushing the money back, pushing the money back, pushing the money back. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I feel like we, I can't. We could have paid my man earlier. I mean, Mark. Not saying Mark's not a great player, but what I was telling you in the summer is still we should be preparing to get rid of these to let these guys go, even if they are playing at a high level. We already know he's playing at a high level, but these guys want to be paid top dollar, and we got to pay Dak top dollar. We got to pay CD top dollar. Yeah, I mean, we that's, pay that's their job to figure dollar. that out. I mean, if, if you're talking about, like, yeah. mediocre players, if you're talking about, you know, the lower-level players, but when you're talking about high-end players, you know, that is your job to figure out how to keep your high-end players that make a high impact on your team. And I just don't view Zach Martin right. as a guy that, hey, man, we got to we gotta let him go. I, I'm just not there. No, no, Zach. I'm with you. I agree with you on that still. But still, how do we work that money out? I've been looking around on YouTube. I ain't seen nobody get the breakdown. How do we work that money well, out we, and we, pay him? We briefly talked about it on uh, Friday, was it, y'all? Where we said, technically, if you were to extend Zach Martin, you actually free. If you extend Zach and Dak, you actually open up cap yes, space. Because next year, Zach uh, Martin is going gonna, gonna to cost you $23 million on the cap. But if you extend him, say, two years, right, you can push that, that uh, you can spread that cap hit out. So the next two years, a cap hit won't be as big, and you can use that cap to then sign, you know, whomever you need to sign. Same thing with Dak Prescott. His cap is like $59 million next year. Obviously, if you get an extension done, I mean, his extension would be like a five, six-year type of deal if they decide to go that long. And you can really push his cap out. You probably won't see a major cap hit for him until, what, 2025 or six, depending on what you consider a big cap hit, and it can restructure. So technically, if you extend those two dudes, you open up cap space. Uh, It's just a matter of... Some people don't want to touch, you know, Dak's contract in general, and then some people are saying Zach Martin's too old. So there's there's two sides to yeah. it. Yeah, facts, facts. I agree with you on that. Okay, yep. still, brother. I always had. I'm, I'm mad. I missed the Friday show. I've been looking. I was on Friday looking for your show, but dang, man, I'm mad. I missed it. I'm, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna watch the rest. Appreciate you still. Oh, good, brother. Appreciate you, Marco. Be blessed, brother. Thank you. You as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it money is always going to be a a major talking point within our community, because I think the Joneses kind of made it that way. Uh, I don't know that many other franchises, their fan bases talk about cap as much as we do. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not like Eagle fans. I don't jump up in the streams or whatnot. Uh, but I don't, I'm guessing, I don't believe they talk about cap as much as, as we do. In fact, a lot of these teams, they just get it done. You know, uh, they, they pay their players. You don't really hear much about it. There's no back and forth in the media. There's no back and forth on social on social media. They just they just pay the guys they need to pay, and nobody's thinking twice about it. Uh, but here, because the way we operate, you got people that are saying, I don't want to pay this person. Or I don't want to pay that person. 
Um, and, and that's what we talk about because we don't spend the money in free agency. So we mostly spend it on our own guys. So the, the topic of conversation is, well, who does this money go to? Uh, Zach Martin is still playing at a high level at a position where they can play well into their thirties. Uh, if, if you're talking about looking at an all year an all year an all in run over the next few years, and I could add a chance, I have a chance to open up more cap space by doing it. It's not even, it's a no brainer to me, but if you're the financial people, uh, and I'm not a financial person, I'm a fan and analyst of the game. I can care less about, you know, the finances of a six time all pro who's still playing at a high level. Pay the man, get it done so that we can keep him around for the next couple of years to try to win this Super Bowl. I'm about accumulating the best talent, the most talent I can to win the Super Bowl. I will worry about the cap and everything in 2025, 2026. Because your window is now, right? I use air quotes. Your window is the next two years. I'm trying to get the dub. Now, I, don't, I say this all the time. All y'all out there that are worrying about the cap, y'all wouldn't give a damn. If the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. <clears throat> tell me I'm lying. If the Cowboys spent all the cap, extended Zach Martin, Dak Prescott, uh, C.D. Lamb, Trayvon, whomever they need to, Terrence, whoever, and they won the Super Bowl, maxed out at the cap, would you care? No. Y'all focused on the wrong thing. You should be focused on trying to keep the best players on your team, and you can do it with Zach Martin. That's the point. I digress. Toxic said, that's like driving around, not driving today because you're worried about 2025 gas prices. Danny said, Footswood. I mean, look, well, well, tell Foots to call up in here. I'll talk Foots off the, off the ledge. I guarantee you nobody worrying about no goddamn cap in 2025 if you win the Super Bowl now. A franchise that is starved of a, of a championship game but a franchise that is starved of a Super Bowl title. It's shocking how many people are worried about cap. And I wonder if it's because of our front office kind of pushing that agenda to us. The pie, the cap, the pie, the cap. Where I watch other franchises figure that thing out. And end up getting to the Super Bowl or winning Super Bowls. I digress, man. I digress. Let's get to my second question, man. Question number two. Sticking with the offensive side of the ball. Will we see more yak attack style designs? Now, the reason why I wanted to bring up this yak situation. uh, We've noticed, and if you haven't noticed, we're going to talk about it today. Over the last four years. Yes, the Cowboys offense has put up volume numbers and they've they've had crazy games and they've done this and they've done that but there has been certain shortcomings that we can obviously see right we we know that for whatever reason the first three four years we were able to finish games at a, a high level over the last three or four years not that case we've noticed uh that the cowboys have over the last three to four years been a honest call it a poor yak team yards after catch because this offense is is not designed for that. Uh, it's a very static passing concept offense, meaning you're going to get stationary guys, hooks, curls, things like that that don't allow guys like C.D. Lamb, who came out. His bread and butter was yak. His yak per reception dropped almost a full yard in 2022. 
Guys like Brandon Cooks, they have the wheels to fly by defenders, be it screens, crossers, mesh route slants. Get him moving. Jake Ferguson, he was one of the better tight ends after the catch, even though there's some people out there that think this dude is just some clunky guy, but he made more people miss per reception at the position than a lot of dudes. He's shown in the open field he can be dangerous and make guys miss and get a lot of yak. Almost 71% or so of his receptions were from yak. His yards, I'm sorry. Tony Pollard. We know what Tony Pollard can do. Deuce Vaughn. Get, like the Cowboys have guys that if you get them out in space and allow them to get the ball and make some moves and get open, it'll help everybody. It'll help this offense. So I want to see out there, will the Cowboys have more designed attacks that will allow receivers and running backs to get more yak. I'm looking for that because over the last four years under Kellen Moore, Cowboys nation, since he's been here, they rank 28th in yards after catch. That is not a small coincidence in my opinion. Not at all. This is uh, something that is designed within the scheme. When you're this low and you got guys like C.D. Lamb and you got guys like uh, Amari Cooper that we've seen have fantastic. Look, we know what C.D. Lamb can do after the catch. We've seen Amari Cooper his very first year, 2018. How many times did we see him take one to the crib after the catch, whether it be a slant, uh, whether it be a, a, a nine route, an over route, whatever. Amari Cooper made, he was a beast in the yak department in 2018. Now that could be and then, and I think this is the case that could be because there's just a totally different ask a totally different responsibility under Kellen Moore's offense on the West coast offense is designed to get that. All right. It's designed to get the ball to guys on the move. And I think it will do just that. We know about the, the basics, right? Get the ball out fast on slants on, on, uh, you know, under routes, getting it to your running backs or whatnot. But you'll, I think you'll see combination designs. You'll see a guy like Brian Schottenheimer who said he wanted to make the entire or make the defense cover the entire field. He didn't see that a lot last year. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of that, right? So I think you'll see Brian Schottenheimer and, and Mike McCarthy kind of make, kind of perfect the touchdown or check down type of offense if you don't got the touchdown we want to make sure we hit this slant or we want to make sure we hit this over or, or this mesh route this crosser if nothing's there check it down or take off that's another thing we'll talk about here in a second so with my second question being will we see more yak attack style designs cowboys nation do, do you feel like that will be the case i do uh McCarthy and his West Coast background, I feel like will be a major, major part of the Cowboys offense, the Cowboys wide receivers and running backs getting more yak this year. And adding a guy like Brandon Cooks will make it that much better. C.D. Lamb, he I don't even think C.D. Lamb has really shown his full potential. I don't. And last year they moved him around. That's one thing I did give Kellen Moore credit for, like, CeeDee Lamb was your one of your sole weapons, and he moved him around enough to get him to rock. I think C.D. Lamb definitely has the potential to, to get even more yards this year, 14, 1,500 yards, and just be put in that category of a top five receiver. Like He's like that, in my opinion. 
Uh, and I think this offense is going to help him do it. Will we see more yak style designs? I say yes. I do. I absolutely do. Uh, Danny's still talking about the curl routes. Yeah, I mean, that's something that all those quarterbacks, Aikman, uh, even Derek Carr brought it up. We, we, we talked about it at nauseum here. And then if the finally, right, the, the national media started to bring it up. You'll still see hooks and curls. Like, don't get it twisted. That is a part of every single offense where you'll see hooks and curls. But when you see them, uh, the design, right, what's happening behind them. The problem was we would see all hooks. We would see all curls. We would see all nines, all verts. There was really no purpose to this. And I don't think that's going to be the case uh, under Kellen Moore. So if you look at the first two questions for the offense, it's not really about an individual player or players or group yet. It's schematically. I want to see what will be the schematic differences coming out of camp. Truly. And that leads me into question number three, where we'll get to the players. We'll get to the groups. And this one could be a bit lengthy here. Which group with questions need to stand out the most? I almost put which group do you want to stand out the most? But I said, no, no, no. Which group needs to stand out the most that has questions? You got backup running back, right? We know the question marks behind Tony Pollard, Ronald Jones, Deuce Vaughn, Malik Davis. Some people are just not satisfied with this group and they have questions. Fair. You've got the tight ends. Look, one thing about Dalton Schultz is that he was dependable. Okay. He's no longer here. And you got the backup wide receivers, meaning the, the four and the five guys, the, the Tolberts, the semis, the uh the back the, the the Moreno Croppers, those guys, the undrafted guys, Turpins, and then the O-line depth. Well, let's go. Who's backup center? Swing guard, things like that. There are, are a handful of groups that have some questions to them. Which group needs to stand out the most? I'm interested to see your thoughts here. I'm going to go with the tight ends. As I stated. With the tight ends, unlike wide receivers, right? Wide receivers, you're three deep. You're, you're three deep. Your backups, yes, somebody might step in, but you're not really counting on those guys. Running backs, I, I feel like running backs, for the most part, it's dependent on the offensive line and, and the play design. And then if you're special, you can make things happen. I feel like you got a special guy in Tony Pollard and you got guys who I think collectively can be backup guys and can be quality. I'm not, I'm, I don't need a pro bowl backup running back, but the tight ends, the, whoever the tight end one's going to be is your starter. And there's, there's, there's legitimate questions because none of them have been starting tight ends in the NFL. And it's a, fairly inexperienced group. Your most experienced guy has been the tight end three his entire career in Sean McEwen. So like I said about Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz, while not a guy that's worth extending a whole lot of money, in my opinion, or because he's just a regular guy, in my opinion, what he was though, was available, was dependable. A guy that Dak trusted, a guy that could, was going to be where he needed to be. Now we have to see if Luke Schoolmaker can be, can be that. If Jake Ferguson can be that. If Peyton Hendershot 
can be that. Collectively, I like these guys. I like the group because I think they bring something different to the table. And some of them have a combination of things. They're all youthful. Uh, they all are kind of in this together. But at the end of the day, when they step between those lines, they are fairly new to this. So I think the tight ends need to stand out the most because Dak likes to lean on them sometimes. What, what, what quarterback wouldn't? The best quarterback in the world leans on the, the, the tight end. So I don't think you want to go into a game week in, week out, and you're like, man, I can't count on this tight end. It's such an X factor of a position that if you got a guy that can be at least dependable, that will definitely help your offense, you know, stay above the chains or whatnot. There's only a handful of difference making ones in the league in general. But if you got one that is dependable enough, that that at the very least keeps your offense right there with any other offense as long as your other skilled players are up there. But if you have a deficiency at the tight end position, that could rule you out when you get into the games and teams kind of take away what they want take away some of the things you want to do by bogging your offense down. So to me, I got tight ends. Who, which group with question marks need to stand out the most for y'all? Backup running back, tight ends, offensive line depth, or backup wide receivers? Which one you got here? T-Dub said the tight ends are only like 2% of the offense. T-Dub, do you know who your second leading receiver was the last couple seasons? Mm-hmm. Take a big guess. Tight end. <laughs> You're tight end, dog. Uh, when they had the big three, quote unquote, it was Dalton Schultz that was the number one first down getter. Last year, Dalton Schultz was your number two guy, and that was, you know, on a, on a, on a, in a time where your wide receivers just couldn't be depended on. Nobody was stepping up for that. So 2% is an extremely low number, especially when you look at the touchdowns that Dak Prescott throws to. Tight end's pretty high, pretty, pretty high. So I would not diminish the position. It, it can be an X factor uh, in the league. And honestly, I don't know that you want to just be solely relying on wide receivers week in, week out. You want your tight end to be able to be, be a part of his offense. If I can get my tight end and get me about 600 yards and five touchdowns, it's a quality year, man. I wouldn't consider that 2%. No, sorry, Bobsky. And the reason why I went there is because that's the those are the guys that are going to be dependent on. Whoever tight end one is, they're starting. Where these other guys are backups. And the tight end is a starter. So a starter is just obviously going to be more important than a backup. That's why I went tight end. But I'm, I'm open to hear others and why. A wide backup wide receiver, wide backup running back, and wide O-line depth. I probably could be talked in O-line depth due to Tyron Smith, right? So now we're talking about Matt Willetsko. We're talking about Tyler Smith sliding out there. Maybe Truma Edoja slides in that guard. Is Forniak my interior swing, meaning guard center? I think O-line depth would be the one that can get the most, that can move me the most here. But I have to go with the position that's starting. That's why I hold a little bit higher. Professor, oh yeah, yeah, Professor O. I did see that about Naheem Hines. Always scary, man. This this part of the offseason always makes me a little bit nervous 
Now that they're going to camp, we're fine. But because players out there, they're having fun. They're, they're living their life. This is the break. But something can happen. And, and, I, and, I, and I wish nothing but a speedy, fast recovery to Naheem Hines. If you're not familiar with it, he uh, suffered a season-ending knee injury. Kind of just doing living life. Living life. So hopefully that doesn't happen to our guys. We didn't do an offensive line uh, interior state of the unit. It's kind of my bad, but that's something that we definitely need to need to discuss. And of course, that would have an error. That's something that we need to discuss, right? Matt Forniak. Uh, let me pull up our lads. Chuma Doja. The kid we drafted, Awesome Richards. Who they got here? Brock Hoffman. I don't really think there's going to be much there. Uh, Alec Lindstrom, TJ Bass. Like, the interior of the Cowboys offensive line, the depth department, definitely, and honestly, I could have just said interior line depth because Matt Walesco is likely the only other guy that you really have that you are kind of, kind of confident in because nobody's confident in Josh Ball, and Josh Ball is likely moving in the guard. But the interior O-line has a ton of questions. Who's going to be that? I think right now the leader in the clubhouse is Matt Fournier. And I'm interested once again. No, I ain't going to say what I was going to say. But I'm interested in seeing him be more of a backup center. I did not like the guard tape. I didn't like his guard production. I didn't think it was good at all. I thought it was atrocious, honestly. But I want to see what he can be as a backup center. But the problem is the Cowboys value versatility. They want guys that can they can, they can carry into the game and do two things. And Matt Forniak technically has the experience of playing guard now, and they're working him as the backup center. I need to see improvement from Forniak from an, from an offensive guard standpoint. I just need to, to feel comfortable about Forniak. Based off what I saw in real-life games, was not good. I believe in three games he gave up 13 pressures and six quarterback hits. Can't do it. Won't do it. And I don't think he was particularly good in the run game individually. He was better when there was some help with him, but individually he was getting whooped. So I need to see a little bit more from Forniak. Uh, TJ Bass is a guy that's got a ton of mean streak to him. Uh, he should be a guy that, that, that gets some movement. Chima Doja. Tackle at USC. Play some tackle with the Jets. Then play a little guard with the, the Falcons. He's got the flex. What if he doges a guy that they carry in and say, hey, he can do tackle guard flex as opposed to guard center flex. So maybe it's Doja. Maybe it's uh, Forniak that they carry into the game. Awesome Richards. Let's see what awesome got at guard. He's a rookie fifth round pick. Don't expect too much from year one, but somebody has to come out of this camp answering these questions for us on the interior, man. Or uh, we could be looking at being a little bit worried. Let's just be real. Being a little bit concerned if somebody on the interior goes down, because in previous years you had a, a Connor McGovern who we could say, what we want to say about Connor at the very least, you knew you go out there week in and week out and your offense isn't going to be hindered from a Connor McGovern and he could play center if he needed to no longer a Connor McGovern that could do that. So who's going to be the Cowboys next Connor McGovern? We need that. We need that answered. Uh, the guru says uh, question. Do we don't, do we have anyone basically that can press Forniak as backup center? The only one, I, I mean, Brock Hoffman's here, but I, I don't think that's it. Alec Lindstrom was a guy that was on a practice squad out of Boston college uh, last year, uh, didn't get called up to play or, uh, at all, but 
he was kind of the other undersized center in the draft a couple years ago, and the Cowboys ended up grabbing him in the offseason. I'm sorry, in the in the free agency department, undrafted free agency department. So uh, we'll see. You know, Lindstrom was a guy who didn't stand out last year at camp or preseason, but we'll, we'll see if he can do that now. I mean, another a year of offseason peanut butter, maybe he gets stronger. Um, but that's that's it. I mean, I think it's just Lindstrom and, and Forniak. But the issue with Lindstrom is that I don't think he has the flex. And the Cowboys value that flex. So if he can't run away with the backup duties, I don't think he'll make this team. I, I think he's a guy that'll be back on the practice squad. And if you get injuries, they'll call him back up. But that's that's the only one is, is Alec Lindstrom. He's a smaller guy. And if you listen to uh, McCarthy, I'm sorry, if you listen to Will McClay, Will McClay, after the draft, they asked him, hey, man, why didn't you take the center out of Iowa? Flat out said, well, he's a smaller guy. And if you look at what our division has in, in the interior and what the Eagles just did in drafting Jordan Davis, we wanted to we, we didn't want to take a smaller guy. So they didn't. They eventually said, we'll take a shot on a smaller guy in free agency, you know, with an Alec Lindstrom. But we they didn't want to waste I shouldn't use the term waste, but they didn't want to use a first round pick on a small center. So they're not really fond of the small center, but they'll give Lindstrom a shot. He's got to get a bit bigger for sure. So right now, Forniak is your backup center and likely your swing guard. We'll see what uh, Awesome Richards and we'll see what uh, Chima Idoga can do. Tyler Linderbaum, that was the that was the Iowa center that McClay was like, Nah, nah, too little, bruh. Now, he, too little for the Cowboys. I mean, he's too little for the Ravens. And he, he's, he's playing well over there in, in the Ravens. Shout out to Marco. Shout out to you, bro. Appreciate you. He dropped $49.99.50 on your head. Super chat. He said, best Cowboys show on the tube. Damn, Marco. Man, I, look, thank you so much, man. I'm just trying to make sure I hold up the standard we have set here in the Cowboys community, man. Truly do appreciate that, Marco. Salute. Salute, salute. Jay believes Forniak will be gone by 2024. Chandra believes that Forniak played center. Oh, well, not believe, but she says he played center. Yes, he was a center at Nebraska as well, which is why he's, I think, the backup center here. And then Toxic says Josh Ball is as useless as he's useless. We're just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I didn't even bring up Josh Ball. No. Six foot eight guys moving inside is very, very rare. Uh, Incognito, I think, did it. Wasn't he like six, seven? I believe Robert Gallery did it. He was six foot eight. Kind of a failure at tackle, moving the guard. Look, man, I'm rooting for Josh Ball. Because if Josh Ball pushes any of these dudes to the point where they're like, we got to keep Josh Ball. Do you know how crazy of a camp he had to have? Do you know how crazy of a preseason he had to have? Do you know how much trust he had to gain from Coach McCarthy, Schottenheimer, Solari? And again, I'm all about players on the fringe making the roster due to them playing well in competition and not politics. That's why I, I root for all those dudes. I don't think are going to make the team. Because if they do, and they do it in a way I think and not politics, that will make the team better. But I don't think Josh Ball making this team. <laughs> I don't see it happening, bro. However, I will say this. 
pushing guys around, uh, run game is, is much better suited for Josh Ball than out there on the island. He looked more comfortable doing that. And maybe him doing that in, in training camp will give him more confidence and he'll play better. And we'll see what happens from there, man. We'll see what happens. So those are my three questions. Let's run them back here. Question number three was which group with questions need to stand out the most backup running back, tight ends, O-line depth, backup wide receivers? Will we see more yak attack style designs in this offense? Because as I showed you guys here, under Kellen Moore over the last four seasons, the Cowboys ranked 28th in yards after catch. Not good. Not good. We want to see that number climb. We want to see guys, when you got guys like C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, you know, Deuce Vaughn, Tony Pollard, Jake Ferguson, like these guys are, are exceptional after the catch. You want to see them get into the top half of the league, and the West Coast offense should allow you to do that a little bit more. And then the first question was, what effect will Brian Schottenheimer have on this def- on this offense? He talked about playing fast, playing physical, and wanting everyone to cover the entire field. And he also said the offense isn't broken. We just want to tweak some things. We want to, we want to change some things, and those changes come in the 30 to 35% range. And one of the things that they probably shouldn't change and they should actually increase is the tempo. Uh, Brandon Cooks talked about it. McCarthy's talked about it. Brian Scheidenheimer has talked about it. Last year, the Cowboys were 11th in EPA per play on no huddle plays. That's something that they can build on and continue to get better at. One last thing. One last thing I would like to see. And, and I don't know if it's something we'll see in camp. Maybe, maybe they maybe we will. We'll see. Once again, shouts out to the Queen, man. Shouts out to the Queen, Mina Kimes. She dropped another fantastic nugget that something that I brought up last year too. Mina brought the same thing up going into the season about using Dak's legs. I want to see if we will have more design boots, more design action, play action where Dak gets out on the run, moving around and not just running, moving around the throw, but also making plays with his legs. Uh, Because I think the older he gets, the smarter he will get in using them. But I believe that has to be unlocked within the offense. And if you remember him talking a few months ago, he mentioned something that, yeah, you will see more scrambles, more runs just because of the the difference in the offense. Well, here's Mina Kimes talking about Dak using his legs and how efficient he was in doing so. I understand that Dak's pocket presence, his pre-snap cognition is his superpower. I would like to see him run more and make more plays with his legs. He's so good when he does it. We talked about Daniel Jones's efficiency numbers running the ball. Dak was third in EPA per carry, third on third down, third with six yards to go. So it wasn't just like he was, you know, in short yardage having successful runs and yet ranked below Mac Jones in rushing attempts. When he scrambled and threw, he was first in yards per dropback, second in passer rating, third in CPOE. And yet, mm. again, behind Mac Jones and Matt Ryan and Dalton. It's like he doesn't want to do it, but I wish he would do it more because in his own words, I think he said, I'm a big mother You are a big mother like you're an athlete. I just wish he would do it more because I think it would be that final last little piece that kind of puts this offense over the edge. I agree. Yeah, I think that injury changed 
Yeah. Changed his career. I think it changed how he operated. And that was too bad. Because when it was Jason Garrett and Linehan, like they didn't run him much, but he was a little more Russell Wilson. Like they definitely ran him in the red zone. They run him when they needed to. And he was very efficient, as you said. And that is a missing piece. Omaha! Omaha! Hey, man. Those are all facts. I, it, it's you, you can see it in his scramble attempts per per year. They decrease. Now, I personally don't believe it's all just the, the the injury. Now, the first year, I get it, right? He just came off the injury. There's probably hesitancy there. But you saw him last year when they decided to do things in the red zone. You saw him use his legs and use his legs well. You saw him when he had to have it. Fourth and 10, I think it was, uh, in the San Francisco game. He scrambles for something like 17 yards or whatever it was to get the first down. Uh, you, you just saw him in the, in the Buccaneers game, moving around, you know, getting out scrambling and making throws on a move but you also saw the offense change in regards to moving him around and this was before the injury this was before the injury um if you go back and you look in his first three seasons he had 18 rushing touchdowns Dak has never been the fastest dude Dak has never been the most agile guy but Dak is a tank and Dak still can move he can run He's very much more Steve McNair than he is Mike Vick. But Steve McNair, Aaron McNair, still used his legs, right? All the way to the end of his career, really. And then the more kind of drop back passing offense was introduced, and he just didn't do it as much. And he even came out and said it. Hey, look, man, the design of the offense kind of didn't allow for that to happen. There wasn't any type of scram. Now, you have the obvious parts where it's like, okay, I'm going to tuck it and run, right? Just normal, just tuck it and run. But... In certain offenses, say, really, for instance, say Baltimore, it was basically one, two, run. Sometimes one and run. Justin Fields, one run. Where this offense was not designed for that. You had to go through your reads, which is nothing wrong with that. And, and that's just the way it worked. That's just the way the cookie crumbled. I do think you'll see him use his legs more. My hope is that they use more action, more play action, more boots, where they get him out. On the on the open in the open field, and he can make that read, that high low read, if not tuck it and run, or at the very least, very least, utilize his legs in a red zone as a weapon. You started to see that a little bit more towards the end of the season or in the playoffs. You saw it against the Bucks and you saw it against the 49ers. If if you can open up that aspect of your offense, just that aspect in the red zone, you become even more efficient down there. There's really no excuse not to use his legs down there because the field is shorter. His decision-making, whether to get down or scramble for the touchdown, is is faster. And I don't think you'll have the situation that happened in New York. And, and I know, I know people will get a little anytime Dak runs because of what happened in New York. But you cannot zap, you cannot nerf, you cannot take away an aspect of his game that can make that can help take him to another level and that's his mobility man his mobility and making plays on the move is some of the best in the national football league don't 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 nerf that don't do it open it up more and this is this is nothing new if you've been here i've been asked i've been asking for this for two or three years now i've been saying hey look i'm not asking you to run Dak six to eight to ten times a game i'm saying get him on a move Maybe you scramble him three or four times where it's, you know, third and short, second and short or something. And he gets a quick first. And then you get to the red zone. That's where you, you really use him. But get him on the center. 
that play action, nothing's there. Now he can make a you know, go play with his legs. He can scramble, drill, something. But this old shotgun and just drop back and sit there and let four guys go vertical and nothing. Use his legs, man. Use his legs. All right, let's get our guy, Marcus, on the horn. What's good, Marcus? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, what's good? What's good, Scott? How you doing this morning? What's up with you, man? <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. One minute, one minute. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't deal with that hard candy. I got to, I got to do with the sweet sugar before I start. Uh. Uh-oh. Oh, you're talking about so many. So many. Okay. So then, now, when does crack? Now, so the cocaine's happening. What you got for us, man? What's up? Uh, well, man, hey, look, uh, again, man. It's a, a great, great stuff that you're talking about. And I, I had to call in when you started talking about Dak and Dak moving. It, yeah. it seems so obvious that one of the things that, that makes Dak who he is is Dak's ability to make plays. I remember Broadus a lot of times. Brian Broadus on 103 The Fan. I, I like when Broadus talks about stuff. Uh, and I remember Brian Broadus on The Fan talking about Dak once, and he said, um, Dak was the type of a player who was just a physical player, meaning in, in Dak's case, he always seemed to be more engaged, more, you know, more comfortable. Yeah, I remember him saying you know, that. After you, after, you, yeah, yeah, after you hit him, you know, after he takes a hit, you know, he gets a little blood on him, you know, he, he, he's moving around doing things. He, he's he's kind of that guy. He's kind of he's kind of a linebacker in a lot of ways. Yeah, you heard in, what in me- that sense. I don't know and, if you heard it, but Mina Kahn said, Dak was like, I'm a big mother effer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dak said that himself a couple of times. And, and, and you're right. We all got, got traumatized watching Dak get hurt the way he got hurt. And being the, himself. And the Joneses did. You know, uh-huh. like I'm not, I'm not, so I had a yeah. tweet, you know, I put a tweet out the other day where I said, hey, I believe the offense and Kellen, you know, nerfed this aspect of him, but I'm also not naive, right? The Joneses 100% probably right. was like, nah, nah. We don't want you running no more, right? So so I'm yeah, not yeah. going to be naive mm-hmm. to that fact. But I think there needs to be a compromise. There needs to be a middle ground. And honestly, that's another thing that you can kind of get on the Joneses about is that why are you purposefully nerfing something that makes your quarterback unique? But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Well, again, you know, they're in a way they were protecting their investment. But somebody that, that they supposedly weren't trying to pay or didn't want you know, they, they certainly changed that tune quick once he wasn't there. But uh, not too far afield, to me, man, yeah, if Dak is, if Dak is himself, that's the best version of Dak we will ever see. He's, he's not, we have to acknowledge also that Dak is, has grown exponentially as a passer, as a drop-back passer. Yes. So you're not necessarily. 